You won't recognize Canada when I get through with it. Stephen Harper hasn't yet uttered that sentence on the public record, yet Canadians instinctively believe he has said exactly that. Has he lived up to his promise or threat? What has he done to make Canada unrecognizable? He was sworn in as Canada's 22nd Prime Minister in February 2006, leader of the recently formed Conservative Party of Canada that won the most seats, but not a majority, in the election a month earlier. The CPC replaced the Progressive Conservative Party as the party of the centre-right, retiring the word progressive from use after sixty years. Harper's party is conservative with no progressive complications, would be our conclusion. And he has lived up to this expectation. Harper carried through on his promise to cut the goods and services tax from seven to five percent, denying government fourteen billion dollars a year in foregone revenue. After seven years in power, he had cut an additional $60 billion from the corporate tax bill, leading to another massive shortfall. Budget deficits were the inevitable result, especially after his government was forced to engage in some stimulus spending to fend off the worst consequences of the 2007-2008 financial meltdown. To try to balance his budget after the revenue hole created by these tax cuts, Harper cut programs and services and laid off 30,000 federal government employees. The deficit was a justification for slashing the federal workforce, but these are still moves you would expect from a conservative government, like those made by Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. And you would still recognize Canada. We've been here before. Advancing Alberta's bitumen extraction industry is another Harper government mainstay, a policy option you would expect from a conservative government, especially one with strong Alberta representation. His incessant promotion of the Keystone XL pipeline to the United States and his government's green light for the Northern Gateway pipeline from Alberta to Kitimat on British Columbia's Pacific coast in June 2014 were evidence of this. And his law and order agenda was well known since Harper's days as policy chief of the Reform Party in the late 1980s. You'd expect these kinds of policies from a conservative Harper government, like Reagan and Thatcher before him. Even the elimination of Statistics Canada's long-form census questionnaire from the 2011 national census could have been anticipated as a move by a government that felt the questions it asked were too intrusive. The state has no right asking them. Yet, after all these dramatic changes, Canada remained recognizable. Other changes Harper was making, though, could help him achieve the aim of rendering the country unrecognizable. His quiet efforts to bring private property rights to First Nation reserves, after more than a century of failure to eliminate reserves by liberal and conservative governments, bypassing national First Nations leadership in the process, aimed to transform collective into individual ownership. What's unique about this campaign was that it is backed by a think-tank discourse about liberating dead capital on reserves so First Nations residents can prosper like other Canadians. Canada without First Nation reserves. That would be unrecognizable. Harper was accused of attacking environmentalists because they obstruct resource development. That is certainly true, but there's more to it than that. Eradicating scientific, and indeed all centralized, 
Knowledge by shuttering research stations and abandoning science libraries is a more fundamental change. What's unique here is the idea that environmental decisions should be based on market signals and not on an accumulated scientific knowledge. Here, too, Harper's efforts are accompanied by a think-tank discourse about free-market environmentalism. What kind of a Canada would that be? If you focus only on Harper, you can learn a lot about his ruthless control over his party and caucus, his disciplined messaging, his obsessive focus on the economy, his ability to move issues forward in the light of vigorous opposition. But you won't have the complete picture, as Maclean's political editor Paul Wells cautions. Many depictions center on Harper as the lone wolf, the rogue conservative who marches to his own drummer. This way of looking at him, though, won't help you to understand the context in which he has operated.